Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. Folks, it is so good to be back. Uh, it, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. A lot has transpired. <laughs> um, but it is, is great to be back uh, with you on After the Message. That's right. Um, if you are new to uh, this or maybe you stumbled upon this, this is the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. And this is a segment we like to call After the Message. And uh, it's just simply a conversation that we mm-hmm. continue from the previous Sunday sermon and uh, we hope that it encourages you to to kind of do the same thing. So uh, today uh, I'm privileged to be joined by Pastor Keith, and Pastor Keith, we are are um, we're pumped about this series that we're in right now. We are. Now. I don't. But here's the thing. I don't. Did you introduce yourself, man? You're our distinguished host. Yeah, my name's Nate. There and, it is. Uh, <laughs> I just asked the questions. Yeah, so. Nate does a phenomenal job at this. So I got to make sure I give credit where it's due. So, I appreciate that. Um, so I'm just playing my part. <laughs> appreciate that. Let, let's talk a little bit on a personal level. What, what What's something I know uh, 46 yes. has passed. Uh, you, you are you are now um, 46 years old. And, and you shared Sunday a, a little bit of the, the pains <laughs> of 46 years old. Uh, but you got to do a cool trip. Yep. You know, anything else going on that you, you just are excited and want to share with the people? Man, it's, it's um, you know, 46. Um, my youngest is 17, Caleb. And so, like, we're, we're entering into a place where he's about to go off to college. He's a senior this year. And so, like, the excitement of doing some college visits and, and really trying to solidify some of that stuff. So, like, it's a, it's a whole new season that's familiar because we've done it two times already. Yeah. But this is the last time we're doing it. So like mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting, it's exciting, a little bit sad mm. because like now like the baby is about to finally like go out the nest so to speak and yeah. so um so I'm, I'm all kinds of emotional I'm all over the place nowadays so it's exciting and I really want to see kind of how this new season works out but then also like I'm 46 by the time I'm 47 Nate there's a good chance I'm gonna be an empty nester. <laughs> Bro, I'm, I, as far as I'm concerned, I have literally the next half of my life. I plan on living at least until I'm like 95. So, bro, like everything I live to this point, that's just the intro to the rest of my life. And so it's I'm true. like, man, like this is wild. Don't this- lie. You are, you're happy. <laughs> Don't lie. All, all the empty nesters out there are like, I read through this. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm about to be empty nester, but still vibrant. Yes. So... So I do find some excitement and just the possibilities. But here's the thing. It's been a long time since I've had like an, a true unknown, mm. a new, new season. Yeah. Because, you know, once you get into parenthood, it is what it is. Yeah. So Megan and I are about to enter into a new season that we have never been to before. So that's exciting, but also kind of like, man, like, what do we do with this? Yeah, that's understandable. Caleb's playing ball, right? He's playing football. Okay. How's that going? Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, his, his, there's, um, he's doing great. He's doing really good, and then just the the team camaraderie and the friendship and the brotherhood, yeah. which was important for us because you know, with us moving around, moving to a new city, even though we've been here for a couple of years now, but then yeah, pandemic, so you lose that momentum of establishing good friends, and with him coming in his tenth grade year, that getting cut short because of COVID, missing virtually his entire eleventh grade year, and now as a mm-hmm. senior, um, so seeing the brotherhood that's established with being on a football team, that to me makes it worth it. Yeah. But the actual team winning, um, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> <Okay>. altogether. <laughs> All right. That can be a, a different a different segment. Um, 
let's talk about the church a little bit. I let's mean, things are things things are going well for us, at, you know, uh, here in Orlando, but but also just kind of abroad as well. You know, we've just uh, we've seen Pastor Tim come on. Pastor mm-hmm. Tim Timberlake is our, our senior pastor moving forward, and and so we had a great celebration mm-hmm. for for that. And so let's kind of talk about. You know, a, a little bit moving forward, not getting into too much detail, but um, but just you know what things look like for for Celebration Church and, and what what we see vision wise. You know. Oh man, you're setting me up, Nate. I know. You're setting me up, um, man. I I think you know, kind of like what you mentioned. Um, if you're if you're newer to our church, our culture, um, you know, we have a founding pastor mm-hmm. who was the senior pastor, Pastor Silval and Pastor mm-hmm. Kerry. So. Uh, 24 years ago, Jacksonville, that's kind of where it started. And, and, and so now we have many locations. So, um, but similar to, as I was explaining with Megan and I going into this new season, mm-hmm. um, that's how it is for our founding pastors mm-hmm. who, so they felt called to go into their next season of ministry and what that looks like. And so um, Pastor Tim and his wife, Jen, are now the senior pastors of Celebration. Um, and so that's an amazing transition because with me being a part of our church for 15 years now, mm-hmm. um, I, I celebrate um, what God has done and I'm excited for what God's about to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think my my excitement for the future for celebration in general is I think that uh, this this pandemic season, it, it opened our eyes to, um, to all, all of the churches, but I think for us specifically with ensuring, which is a deep, deep passion for mine, making sure that people are um, spiritually vibrant beyond the church, that we're coming alongside and equipping people. Mm-hmm. And so as I see the, the upcoming season for us, as we finish this year strong, is continuing to do that. I see that God is sending us an amazing crop of people. And, and the way that I the way that I view when God is doing something um, in our midst, and this is personal, this is in the church world, um, this is in any way that you kind of want to apply it. But whenever you see God doing something or moving um, in your life, you have a couple of options. You can either um, you can either slow it down, mm-hmm. you can either smother it and kill it, or you can lean into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've all had been at different moments where we've seen God's hand in our lives and we went to slow it down. Mm. Other areas where we're like, God, I don't want that. And you try to shut it down completely. And other times where you can lean into it. And sometimes we, we are doing our best to try to discern what's what and if it's God or not. But what I can say for Celebration Orlando is that God is clearly sending. And so what we're going to do is we're going to lean into it. Mm-hmm. And what leaning into it looks like for us is um, continuing to, to, to steward what God sends us, making sure we are, are doing um, an even more amazing job at cultivating community and emphasizing spiritual engagement, um, creating more opportunities for people to join us with our in-person gatherings, with adding on additional services, things along those lines. So for me, like the sky is literally the limit because God has given me a glimpse of things to come, man. And I could not be more excited, but we're going to lean into it, man. Yeah. And, and it's, it's great that you bring up the, the equip side of this because uh, that kind of segues into, into what we're doing through, mm-hmm. through, through this series called signs. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of preparation put into, to making sure that, that this is done well and that it's fruitful and, and, and that people uh, actually grow, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's the whole point. You know, we often say that uh, our job here is to reach the lost and equip the found. That's and, right. and so providing a, a, a little bit more of an immersive, 
opportunity to study the word mm-hmm. and, and to come alongside people and, and kind of light that fire. I think yep. that was s- sort of the, the starting point. Like, man, let's let's light the fire so that after this series is over, it's not over for them. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes. Like their their engagement with the word of God actually continues on and, and, and they begin to grow. And that's yep. ultimately our church's hope for this. Absolutely. I would say that that's 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 the goal. Um for me um, in general, but this, you know, you have those on-ramp moments and this series, I believe is, is a great opportunity for us to do this. The amount of work that, that the team has done overall, um, inclusive of yourself, us having the kids' ver- version of the journal, mm-hmm. us doing the same content um, with youth, um, all the work that's gone into this is is really to not only help the individual um, engage God's word, but hopefully for our families to engage it together collectively because we don't often do um, these moments where what we're talking about with students is the same constant tent that we're talking about with mm-hmm. kids and the same thing we're talking about on um, Sunday um, in, in, in the regular gathering. So for us, we're hopeful that that now we don't have to kind of like segregate what God is doing amongst the family, that we all can talk about it together in a in a, in a very life-giving way, but then also providing resources and tools um, that can help people, that can give them those on-ramps, man. Like I often say to my kids, and, and I'm, I'm officially sounding like my parents used to sound like when I was your age, but I, I do think um, about people who are beginning to engage God's word. Like when I got saved over 20 years ago, we didn't have journals mm-hmm. with people who wrote out different ways you can interpret um, Hebrew and Greek and mm-hmm. cultural context. Like Nate, I didn't have any Google to look up a verse, man. I had to like go and actually look it up in the concordance. You didn't I didn't have the Google. I didn't have the Google. <laughs> I didn't have the interwebs. I had to like figure this stuff out on yeah. my own. So I'm, I, I love that we have been able to curate so much content to give people an on-ramp to hopefully ignite that where they don't have to get discouraged um, with the inception that they actually have have the tools to help them to go further. Yeah. Inclusive of after the message, make Inclusive. it a comeback. That's right. Come on. Come on, Nate. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So we, um, the name of the series is Signs, and er- and everything that we kind of did with this w- w- was intentional, you know. And we we were going back and forth about about titles and everything. And, and just briefly too, one thing that I love about what we're doing now is how involved the staff is and actually participating and not just creating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like there was a lot of work and and effort done with with the journal and and the graphics and doing you know the podcast again and all that stuff, but. Um, just actively participating, mm-hmm. especially with the journal, uh, ha- has been really cool. And now for those who have kids, that they, they can do mm-hmm. it with the Wonder Journal with their kids. So I, I know I've seen you kind of kind of going through it what through the, through the week. What's kind of been your experience as you've actually participated in the journal so far? Man, it's 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 a fresh feeling for me, and because it's it allows me to be able to receive. Mm instead of just present. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, as I'm going through the journal, the same way that everyone else is, one, I, I didn't write it. So that's a beautiful thing that um, that with, with Vinny and the team, like they curated it. So I was able to review it, but I did my best to not ingest it because mm-hmm. I wanted to take it in just like everyone else. And right. so my, my journey has been really just, um, as I'm looking at things, highlighting things, and even looking at um, some of the things that are presented, I'm like, oh man, I forgot that I knew that. Or, oh man, that's a great way of saying that. Like, mm-hmm. so for me, it's just been amazing to be on this journey 
um, along with our church and seeing the response from our church and varying people um, either post or tag us or or mention something that they see in the journal. So for me to see um, all of us, and we're just getting started on this and seeing the way that it is, like it's just fun uh, to watch. It's almost, it's weird because it's almost like, um, it's almost like how I feel um, on Christmas where I know that I was involved with what's mm-hmm. happening, but I get a chance to participate it's the same way that my kids, at least they used to be when they were younger and all excited <laughs> about stuff like that. Um, but I used to just get so much joy seeing their joy. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was a part of it. Like that was a part of it for me. And so that's kind of how I feel with this. Yeah. Let's, uh, l- let's talk about, you know, briefly mentioned the title, but let's kind of talk about that. And I, and I think one thing in, from this previous Sunday sermon that, that you uh, brought up and something that I'd often talked to or thought about, but hadn't really talked about before was, you know, the fact that miracles weren't a new thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see it, you see it in the Old Testament uh, with with prophets performing yeah. miraculous uh, works of God and stuff. But 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 can you kind of go in a little bit to not only the name signs, what that points to, but but also uh, why it why it varies from from other work, miraculous works that have been done a little bit? Yeah. So it's as far as like. Um as you said, like miracles weren't anything new. Mm-hmm. So typically what would happen whenever there was a miracle specifically coming out of like, um, coming out of the, the Old Testament era. So so here's the context of, of what's happening. Um, historically, what would happen in, in, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, is that you would have prophets or, or people that God has designated that could perform a sign or a miracle. So then you have what we call the intertestamental period, which is a 400 years of prophetic silence. That's the moments when when God kind of like backed up and allowed world history to kind of unfold. And so he wasn't really speaking through a specific prophet mm-hmm. anymore. So there weren't any movements from any prophets or anything. So this is why when John the Baptist shows up on the scene, he's like the first prophet they have seen in over 400 years. Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, yo, like, are, are you are you Elijah like mm-hmm. who, who are you like why, why like you're out here doing some different stuff and we know that prophets can be a little bit weird sometimes so everyone was looking for a sign because they knew that if it was a sign in this new era that was coming in that that would be a sign of the Messiah mm-hmm. so that's why John's writing is making such a distinction with what's happening with Jesus not because it's like um, these are miracles but it's miracles coming out of 400 years of silence there was no rollover. It was generations have died off and their only concept of miracles were things that they read in ancient ancient books. And now all of a sudden this new guy shows up and he's doing some things, but things that are directly connected to God, the creator, such mm-hmm. as like changing the physical composition from something from water to wine. Like that's a creative miracle. That's not like, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that was that was different than anything they'd ever seen. So those are the type of signs that made Jesus' distinction different mm-hmm. than what other people have done. Like Jesus has done miracles that, okay, we've never seen that. We've seen miracles before. Right. We've never seen anybody that could tell the wind and the waves to stop. Mm-hmm. We, we, we haven't seen that. Like even yeah. when Moses was able to part the Red Sea, we knew that that was God. He was just being obedient. But we've seen Jesus come up and it says that he literally silenced the waves like a, like a parent would do a child like shh mm. like that's like that's divine authority so that was what makes Jesus signs a little bit different than everybody else's yeah and, and I think it's important because you know even even for myself admittedly when first uh, you know a while ago as a young believer uh, distinguishing the Johns right mm-hmm. so so we so the John's gospel 
is written by a disciple, Mm -hmm. but it also involves John the Baptist, correct? Mm -hmm. So I think for, (laughs) you know, for uh, those that may not identify as necessarily a Christian or maybe they're a new believer, Mm -hmm. it's it's good to kind of distinguish who those guys are, right? Yeah, for sure. It it helps. So, of course, you have John the Baptist, who's Jesus' cousin. Hmm. Um, And then you have the Apostle John, which is actually not to make this any more confusing. Um, he was one of the followers of John the Baptist, and then he switched to okay. start following Jesus. So right. um, not that it makes it any more murky. <laughs> so you had John, who was Jesus's cousin, who had John the Apostle, who ended up following Jesus when Jesus came on the scene. So. Gotcha. <laughs> good, good to know. That's what we do here on After the Message. Um, so the, the interesting thing that you pointed out towards the beginning uh, of the message, um, which was titled Filled to the Brim, uh, the, one of the first things that you pointed out that was is unique to John's gospel is Right off the bat, he declares that Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. So I know in conversations that I've had with people in the past who may not necessarily be familiar, uh, and even Christians, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to try and understand. Like, okay, so Jesus is the Son of God, (laughs) but he's also God. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So whenever that question arises or whenever people ask you about it or, or talk to you, what do you typically tell them or what do you how do you steer that conversation to to be able to maybe not explain it but at least yeah. give us a little bit of insight into into what that is man that's a I didn't know we're going that deep. Well, I thought we we're just going to come on here and have some fun. We're 18 something <laughs> minutes in like it's it, we might as well it's yeah, been too long so for sure man. Um honestly man that's that's a part of that's a massive part of of my testimony is hmm. when I is when I got saved and I had friends who weren't Christians and they said you believe in three gods. I had no clue. I was I was raised as a Christian, but when I really grabbed a hold of my faith, I had no idea of this concept of Trinity and all that stuff. So what really sparked my hunger for studying the Word of God was studying God in and of Himself, hmm. because I needed to understand. Wait a minute. So there's God the Father. There's God the Son. There's the Holy Spirit, and and somehow they're one. Hmm. And no mathematical equation is three one. So for me, that became the the the, the primary pursuit of me understanding godliness. And so as I began to really look at scriptures and as I've had people um, explain it to me, so when it says in the beginning was the was the word, the logos, the thought, the intent, mm. I truly believe that the enormity and the complexity of God, it transcends our understanding. So the only way that finite beings can understand an eternal being is by putting it in language that we can understand, but by putting it in language we can understand, we reduce our understanding of the infinite being that right. we're trying to describe. So by no means do I think our English language is capable of truly defining God. Mm. But I think in order for us to grab a hold of his enormity, God has given us this concept of my thoughts. If you can take my thought, my heart, that's that's an expression of me. That's Jesus. Jesus is my thoughts and my words made flesh mm-hmm. in a way that you can actually see that I'm accessible. But my creative authority that transcends that, that's the thats the fathering part of me, but then there's the spirit part of me. So what I've heard people say before um, is if you, and this is, this is a really clunky metaphor, but at the time it made sense. It's almost like if you, if you look at the different, you look at the different responsibilities, you look at the different roles that that even I would say you take um, myself. Mm-hmm. I am a I am a husband. I am a father. I am 
a pastor. I have these different things and these different hats and different functions that I function in. And sometimes as I'm speaking, I'm speaking as a husband, I'm speaking as a husband, I'm, I'm speaking as a father, I'm speaking as a pastor. And depending on the audience or the context, mm-hmm. that's which version of me you're getting. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that godliness is, is so profound and complex that it's impossible for us to really make sense of it all. So there's God has given us pieces of him to understand his attributes in a way that's palatable for human beings because we we just can't. That's my best yeah. <laughs> um, muddied example at, at trying to explain it to people. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. But um, the Bible Project has a really cool video on mm-hmm. trying to explain this. And ultimately, it, they, of course, they do like this dimensional thing where you can look at it from one dimension, but then you look at it from another di- angle and you see another dimension of it. That's kind of how godliness is. So when I look at Jesus, Jesus is the invisible God presented to us in a way that we can actually understand him. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those things where you know I've I've kind of thought about well maybe he's not supposed to be figured out you know mm-hmm. what I mean maybe he's maybe or maybe the figuring out process is, is not an overnight thing. Oh yes, and, and it's and it's actual. Um, it's it's a walking just just like the the walking in the garden you know mm-hmm. the, it's a it, it's a process of more so the, a journey than than it really is like a, an equation like yes. you were talking about agreed so. agreed I, th- I think it's Paul says the greatest the mystery of godliness and 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 it's not like he had it all figured out he's like let me God has been seen of angels preached unto man like you're you're trying your best to wrap your mind around it and Paul's mm-hmm. even saying. It's a great mystery. Yeah, God's not meant to be mysterious in the sense that his ways are not clear to us. But as far as us really wrapping our minds around this spiritual being that somehow manifests himself in the flesh, that somehow can dwell in me and you and occupy all space at the same time, but yet still be as personal as Jesus to us, mm. but yet still on the throne. So I, lo- I look at these like scriptures that I think are so profound because it says that while Jesus was on the cross, he was reconciling the world to himself. Mm. Just think about that for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally accepting his own sacrifice. Like so, those are moments where you're just like, okay, yeah, I, 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 this is beyond me. <laughs> and why? Why would you? <laughs> you know, even from my logical brain here, uh, but why would you want to worship something that you completely understood in the first place? Exactly. Or why would you want to submit that the the being that you worshipped and the being that you followed was just like you? You know, yes. it, it's I. I'm back in school now for for whatever reason, <laughs> and I'm hyped up on way too much coffee because I I wrote a paper until you know way past midnight. Anyways, it's been good and and it's been fruitful. But one of the things that that really stuck out to me in my Old Testament class was how ridiculous the um, the practice of, of idols was mm-hmm. because you think about you're literally creating man is creating yep. something with his own hands yep. and then it's standing there and then he's worshiping it as yep. if it has authority over him i think in our modern context we tend to do the same things Absolutely. right um we take our technology or we take our, our our innovation and and we devote all of our time and energy and money into it and, and it's another form of worship but it's something that we've created with our own hands come on Nate. does that make sense yes so so yeah. Anyways, wherever we are with that, <laughs> let's talk about the miracle that we spoke about on Sunday because, mm-hmm. to me, um, it it's a little. To me, it's always been an odd scripture. It's always been intriguing to me. I guess would be the best way to put it. That mm-hmm. the story of this. So, 
first, I want to hear your perspective on the dynamic between Jesus and his mother, right? Because it's interesting that, that Mary obviously is his earthly mother, but Jesus is God, but Mary's asking him to do something. But you even alluded to it that, you know, Jesus is 30 years old. At this point, you probably would have hoped that your situation would be a little bit different and even pointed to the fact that some scholars believe that Joseph, his earthly father, is actually gone at this point. Yep. So so let's talk about that dynamic of why now? Why, why is Jesus performing a miracle, and why is it, seems something that's not necessarily earth shattering. It's a little mm-hmm. mundane. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. I think that's one of the things that that confounds us. But I, I believe what there's nothing that happens by accident. Mm. Um, and and the motivation of of Mary. I, I've read so many different things on. She was involved in the wedding planning. She she had personal relationships with the individuals there. She understood um, the cultural shame that could come alongside of it. And so. I think that those are things that could hold true. And and if we go down that line of thought, I think it just is meant to show that that Jesus' first miracle, it wasn't like this, like resurrecting the dead. It wasn't it's it's I think it was meant to show show us that that Jesus cares about the little things. Mm. I think it's meant to say that that those things matter to him just as much as when he sees the widow's son coming out of Nain and he says, let me, let me, let me fix this situation. Like that's obviously got a great deal of weight to it. Mm. But when you understand the cultural context of what this could have meant for that precious couple, he cares about that as well. Mm. He cares about the, the shame, the ridicule and how that could have possibly messed up their businesses, all the things that go along with it. So it just shows that, that Jesus cares about that. And then I also believe just a the the idea of the involvement when I'm what I'm what I'm really looking at and I'm probably giving away portions of my thought process with the rest of this message series is um our involvement in the miracles you know a lot of times um we 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 have our prayer request we have the thing that we know we need God to move in and it's like okay I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to take my hands off but what I think this miracle was meant to be the perfect illustration of you need to participate mm. in the thing that you want to see me change. So mm. I'm willing to do it, but let's let's repurpose some things. And hey, I need you to fill it up to the brim mm. um, with water, and then watch me work after you do your part. So now I think we're sometimes we're waiting for a move of God, and God's waiting for a move for us. Yeah, and, and that's even evident in some other mm-hmm. healings that you see because uh, Jesus says, "Well, what do you want?" Yep. Basically, he say, "Well, what do you need?" Yep. And, and depending on the response, is the way that mm-hmm. he he acts in that moment. So, um, what, um, why does Jesus say in, in that moment that, that it's not his time? Do you, do you have any understanding of, of why that would be? He says it's not his time and then he ends up acting anyways. So, so does that, what significance does that comment hold? So those are, those are moments where, um, when I, when I look at Jesus, I see, you know, you, you have like, Matthew's primary perspective of Jesus as being okay the the prophesied Messiah you have you have Luke and Mark the servant as well as him being um, a man so you see these different emotions from Jesus and so I think what we're seeing is really this interaction between a son and his mother this divine (coughs) being who um, who simultaneously is submitted what the Bible says after Jesus went into the temple when he was around 12 years old and after Mary came back and said Jesus, why'd you do this to us? Did you know that we were not stressed and freaking out about where you were? 
He's like, didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? But after that, it says, and then he went and submitted himself mm. to his father. And from that point forward, the belief is that he was just completely submitted to mm. his parents. And so what I think we see, again, with Jesus and his profound brilliance is still demonstrating to us that even though he has authority, that he's choosing to still be submitted. So when his mom is like, hey, man, like we probably need to do something about this. This is a pretty chaotic situation that I think you can get involved in. Like maybe Jesus had something else planned. And I go, I know that gets into a whole nother level of conversation. Let's go. <laughs> um, but maybe maybe Jesus was like, man, like, you know, that's that's not that's not what I want, because here's why I, I say that. Because Jesus understood his his calling. He understood his purpose. He understood that he was coming to bring redemption. Mm -hmm. And he knew that it was going to come at the cost of his life. He was clear about that with his disciples. He was clear about that in his understanding. It was clear from the Old Testament. And because he is the word, he knew that he had to suffer. He even says, didn't you know that the Son of Man had to suffer? So he understood all that. But it still didn't stop him from being in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, yeah. <laughs> if there's another way to do this, yeah. So you have to then ask yourself, if he is the word, the thought process of God made flesh, he understands the end from the beginning, and yet he's still presently in this moment saying, man, if there's another way to do this, I would love to do it. Mm -hmm. I think that we're seeing um, the humanity of Jesus having moments where it takes the center stage, and then you have the divinity of Jesus when it has mm -hmm. moments where it takes center stage. And sometimes it's a dance where we then study it to try to figure out who's talking right here. Mm. So when I think when we look at that passage, we have Jesus, the man who's who's there like, man, like, here's what I know. The moment this starts, there ain't no looking back. Mm. This is this is my last moment to be normal. Mm. But let's but I'm submitted. Yeah. So I believe that that's the thing that I love about Jesus that reminds me, um, Nate, is that um, humility is power under restraint. Oh. Um, that's the definition of it. And so you have this this man, this, this, this figure who has ultimate power, but he chooses to humble himself to his mother. And so to me, that's part of the, the encouraging thing with Jesus is that no matter what little authority we have on earth, humility is being able to humble yourself. Mm, that's good. You also touched on the, the, the stone pots that, that the mm -hmm. miracle actually took place in, and, and you referred to them as, um, as pots that were used for hand washing, is mm -hmm. that correct? Yep. Do you see anything else in that other than the fact that they were just pots for hand washing, or why why, why mention that? I guess in the message, other than the fact that it's the fact of what they were. Because um, at the time, you know, you have um, you have this very, you know, we would call it in our current context, I suppose, like legalistic. But they had a lot of ritual purification things, which is a lot of the stuff that. Jesus bumped into when Jesus came in and like, look, he didn't even wash his hands first. Mm. And he's like, man, like you're so consumed with what's happening on the outside, but actually what corrupts somebody is what's on the inside. Right. So all of these things were meant to be teachable lessons, but uh, for the sake of, of, of understanding that these were stone pots that already had a purpose and their purpose was ritual purification. That when you come in, you wash your hands. This is pre-COVID. You should be doing it anyway. <laughs> um, when you come in, you wash your hands. Yep. But I believe that the deeper meaning that God is showing us is that even if something was created for something, he has the ability to repurpose it. Mm. So I think what that speaks to for all of us, because when it talks about the, um, these stone pots, when you really break down the language, it speaks about them just being vessels. So they were vessels that were created that were used for one purpose, but he repurposed them. Mm. And so the Bible talks about how we are vessels of the Holy Spirit, mm. that we are called to be that. And so for some of us, 
we may have used our vessels for other things at one point, but the moment that we put it into the hands of Jesus, he has the ability to repurpose it to do something that's going to bring glory. Yeah. For the average, and I say average with air quotes, but for for the, the Christian who's just reading their Bible and, and something like that doesn't jump out to them, mm-hmm. right? A, a detail like that doesn't necessarily, they just, you just kind of read over it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's so many things in scripture, so many details that you might just glance over and, and not think that they're important. Um, and I know even for me, I battle this idea of, am I reading too much into this yeah. or does this have some sort of spiritual significance? What's, mm-hmm. what's kind of your stance on that, the way that you approach scripture mm-hmm. and, and how, why you think certain things are in there and how do you, how do you, I guess, avoid overcomplicating something, yeah. but oversimplifying it? Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Um, you know, I've, I've, I think to be to answer your question directly, God has given me um, the guess, best way to put it would be like by nature, I am a an investigator by nature. He's wired me to be a person that pays attention to details just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so my approach to scripture has always been I just bring the way that God has wired me into the way that I read the Bible. Mm-hmm. So if I see something. I'm like, okay, the Bible is providing a lot of information in detail for a reason. Now you're right. Everything doesn't need to become this big theological exercise of, let me give you all this background stuff. However, um, certain details, they just kind of like jump off the page. And and so for me, my position is um, if the Bible saw fit to provide a specific detail, it may not always have like a deep, profound theological meaning, but it can often speak to effort. So mm-hmm. let's let's back up for a moment. When we talk about um um Joseph and he had the coat of many colors. Yeah. Um so okay, great. He had a coat of many colors. Awesome. I got a coat with a lot of colors in it. <laughs> um but when you understand that this was hand threaded and what it took, like they would have like we have modern technology, but they would literally have to dye every single thread and then they would stitch it together. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of effort. So now you understand yeah. why his brothers were hating a little bit because mm-hmm. this wasn't something that it was like, oh, you just went down to the local store and picked up one of these. This was something that was painstakingly created. So that detail then gives you an, a little bit of intuition into this is why they were so jealous. Mm-hmm. Their dad went through extensive effort to show that this is my favorite son because I've given you like this priceless heirloom. And now I understand the frustration that they had. So those are the moments where if it says it, I like to at least get a little bit of cultural background to understand, okay, they're talking about these six stone pots that were used for ceremonial washing. Mm -hmm. Well, at least let me understand what ceremonial washing is first and foremost. um, And then also let me understand how these pots were made. Mm -hmm. And those little things, they don't need to necessarily be another 10 minutes added to the message, but it's a context that helps you to understand that these were basically glorified sinks that Jesus then repurposed. Mm, yeah. What, and you talk about this in, in your, um, in your lesson when we do, uh, how to study the Bible, right? You, like mm-hmm. you talk about some of the tools, but maybe for someone who hasn't participated in that or, or seen that, is there danger in Googling stuff like this and, and trying to figure out extra biblical resource and, and context like w- what do people need to be aware of when they're when they're researching um i would say yes and no okay so um do i use google absolutely mm-hmm. now i have a very very robust um bible software 
Um, but there are times if I'm just trying to find one little simple thing, I'm like, let me Google that real quick. Mm -hmm. I think what happens is we just have to be careful that we don't just jump at the first results that we see. Gotcha. So for me, um, even, and this is pretty much with anything, this is almost like even if I Google, like Meg and I are in the process of, of considering buying like a new mattress. Oh, complete overshare, but hey. Um, I, I, so what I, you know what I Googled last night? Um, top 10 mattresses for a platform bed. Okay. So when that pops up, I'm not looking at the top 10 of the first list. I'm like, okay, that's the top one. Right. I looked at the next 10 and seeing which ones were repeated on the top 10 list of about 20 different websites. Yeah. And then I'll do my own separate research based off of that. So for me, it's 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 the same concept of when we're looking at things in the Bible. It's, mm -hmm. it's making sure that you consider the source. That's a really, really big thing when it comes to virtually anything. Like if I'm going to take advice from someone, consider the source. Yeah. If you tell me like, hey, man, this restaurant is great. Let me consider the source. I know you know good food. I know your wife knows good food. Yeah. I consider the source. So for me, it's always making sure that I understand the source. So Googling things is not as much the issue. It's just making sure that you're looking at a place that you trust um, and that ha that is respected. And then even when looking at the results, making sure you look at multiple other sites to make sure that it that it's in a line, that you're seeing some consistency there. So, yeah. um, but very rarely, what I'll say is very rarely do I Google something out of thin air. In other words, what I'm saying is I may be Googling something for the sake of remembering a reference. Mm. I may be Googling something to, oh, I, I can't remember where that one thing is. Mm. Very rarely will I Google something that I just completely don't know. Because for me, if I'm going to say it, I need to know that I've actually researched it and I feel good about it before I would ever mention it on platform. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, we, we talked a little bit on Sunday about um, deficit, right? And, and, and how this message was specifically crafted towards ways that we can realize the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and using the analogy of uh, of the the stone pots being filled to the brim with water, so Jesus could could do the miracle. When you're in moments of, of maybe spiritual deficit, um. What are the, what are the first things that you do, or how do you deal with that, or how do you talk to God about that, or do you not experience that? Oh, absolutely. Um, in the sense of yes, I do. Yeah. Um, so I'm a really big um, I'm a really big fruit of the spirit guy, um, mm. and and that's not meant to like what what I mean by that is that you know fruit you you shall they shall know you by your fruit. Right. That's evidence that you're a follower of mine. So not your ability to quote scripture, but by the fruit in your life. Mm. And so, um, so for me, I, I know, um, the areas where I'm more susceptible to running out of, of running out of, of the, the, the living water, so to speak. Yeah. And so like, I, I know for me, I'm not necessarily what I would define as a impatient person, but I would definitely say that I'm a person that if I have already said something multiple times, I may not have patience to say it the 20th time. Mm -hmm. So there are moments when, um, there are moments when I can recognize that I'm running a little bit low on patience. And, and typically those, those indicators are there and we all have our different ways. You can be a little bit more short or you can shut down and things like that. So for me, when I recognize that, um, to me, it's, it's literally just, just pausing and trying to look at things from another person's perspective. Mm. Um, and that's not always easy, um, but I realized that we are all on this stage of, of humanity. We're all living our lives. And that just because I have said something, and that may be the most important thing I have said to them, that may not be the most important thing that they have heard. Hmm. 
So I now have to make sure that I exhibit, that I extend the same grace that I would want extended to me in the same way that if they said something to me 38 times and I didn't catch it, like it's yeah. because it's not the main thing in each person's world. So those are moments where I just try my best to pause and look at it from another perspective. Yeah. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't, but that's that's typically how I try to self-correct. And then obviously there's always the, the prayer. Like, you know, I, I have a, a process of just, you know, at the end of every day, I'm like, God, you know, I, you know, I acknowledge his goodness, all those things. And, I, and I'm like, okay, if there's moments that I know, God, I know that I missed it here. Mm. Um, I'll either repent and ask for growth in that area, or I will invite, like, God, like, if there's areas where I missed opportunities to, re- to represent you well, mm. um, bring them to my remembrance and help me to do better. So there are, there are true moments where I pause and reflect typically before I go to bed where I'm just trying to make sure that I don't live in a place where, hey, that's just the way I am. Right. No. I'm made in the image of God, so there's opportunities for us all to grow and get better. So I'm always trying to better myself by at least positioning myself where I can hear from God and hear his loving correction so I can be a better representative of him to others. I always like to, um, as we wrap up, I always like to ask you this question. Um, Is there anything, you know, with your preparation for for this message or maybe uh, something that, you just didn't get to or anything at all that, that you wanted to, to add on to, to filled to the brim? Um, man, like I, there's always so much, you know, and I think, um, depending on what I feel like God placed on my heart for that specific message. And I already preached long enough. So like, I, there's always moments where I'm like, man, I wish I could have said, I think what I wanted to spend more time on is, um, at the end, uh, and I've shared this in other messages when I referenced this passage, but I wish I would have had more time to to talk about how um, the speech that the um, that the host gives at the end where he talks about how typically, you know, people will put out the good stuff and then they send out the cheap stuff. Mm. But, man, you save the best till last. And I think that that phrasing always is so encouraging to me. And so I didn't even reference that um, this past Sunday, but just knowing that that when you when Jesus gets involved, like it always gets better. Mm. It, it always gets better. When Jesus gets involved, he only makes it better. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a simple statement for me to say right now, but in the flow of the message, it just didn't come out. But I would have loved to have been able to spend time on that because I've done a study on this, at the different people's lives um, that Jesus interacts with in his three-and-a-half-year ministry and how it always gets better. Mm-hmm. Now, always gets better doesn't always mean it gets easier. Right. But it always gets better. So yeah. that might be a message that I'll do a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. If there's if there's something that you could, you know, encourage someone who who's who's walking on this journey, this seven week journey of of this immersive look at, at the gospel of John, other than staying uh staying tuned into after the message. <laughs> is there anything else <laughs> that you would encourage people uh who maybe not necessarily centrally located in part of our church, but a part of our church from afar. Like what, mm-hmm. what would you encourage them with as we move forward through this? I think in the context of this man is, um, finish well, mm. see it through. I think, um, we are, we are great at, at starting things <laughs> and, and myself included. We're great at starting things, workout plans, meal plans. We're great at starting things. Um, but see it through mm. and, and, you know, and again, referencing when I, when I got saved, there was no like series. There were no immersive things. You just knew that I'm going to keep showing up. Yeah. And as you kept showing up, you would just continue to get stronger and you would grow and you would see the results. 
Um, but I think because we live in such a instant gratification and short attention span that we're on to this and then we're on to the next thing just as quickly as we jumped onto the previous. And so my hope and my prayer is that if people can really just see it through, mm. stick with it and, and genuinely be committed to it, I think that you will see um, life change, profound spiritual growth as we are on this journey and really get a chance to see the nuances of Jesus ministry and the people that he served and how they interacted with him. It's so encouraging, man, because when you when you actually like read through it and you consider like Jesus had a, a group of people around him that weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. These dudes were always making mistakes. Yeah. The, like and so it's like when you begin to see these things and you ride the journey out, you just start to feel a little bit better about yourself <laughs> because you realize like they weren't perfect. I'm not perfect. But the thing that sets them apart and puts them in what the Bible often refers to as the, 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 the hall of faith is they stuck with it. Yeah. So for me, I just want to be a person that sticks with it. So mm-hmm. I would encourage everyone, like, just stick with it. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can stick with it and just allow God to work through it, I think we'll be amazed at the results. It's basically saying this. Let me, let me wrap it up this way. Don't go to the gym twice and be like, where's my six pack? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this for two weeks and be like, man, like I'm not growing as much. Mm. Like see it through. Yeah. See it through. That's good. Well, I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited about it. And I don't know, we say that about a lot of things, but I'm truly thrilled to, to be doing this and, and pumped to be able to participate just as much as anybody else. So wait, wait a minute. Okay. You always ask all the questions. I want to ask you, okay. What are, what are you most excited about? What am I most excited about? Yeah. Um, Honestly, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this, was it two weeks ago uh, in, in service when I was hosting, uh, just about the communal aspect mm-hmm. of what of what transformation can look like. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times our society, particularly uh, in America, can be so individualized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, which is great, we all have a quote-unquote personal relationship with Jesus, and, and that's one of the beauties of it. But there's also there's also a, a very communal aspect to it that I think that we're missing out on. Mm-hmm. And so if we can all commit with one another to go through this and to grow, yes, we will grow individually in our own areas, but I also believe that our church will will reap the benefits as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I really – I'm kind of rooting on everybody. Like, yeah. guys, please, please do this together because, you know, if you want to see true revivals, like it, it starts with a group of people and not just well one said. person. So Well said. Yeah. That's a brilliant response that I couldn't agree with more um, is that the church was built in community mm-hmm. and everything has its place, but it's not any – you don't see a lot of lone wolves right? Um, in the New Testament church. You yeah. don't. So uh, kudos, brother. That's good. All right, guys, uh, make sure that uh, you stay tuned as, as we continue on uh, in this series of John. And next week, uh, we'll be talking about miracle or actually sign number two. Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at Celebration ORL or visit our website at celebrationorl.org.